0: How many of you have felt a bit stressed out over the last couple of weeks and over any situation at all how many of you felt a little bit sort of you know oh this is getting a bit heavy this is getting a bit out of control for me um or maybe you've been the opposite to me and you've been jumping out of bed every morning standing in front of the mirror going look at me aren't I great I look incredible this morning God I'm just going to take my world on how many of you have been doing that the last few days <laughs> I'm sure you have uh, <laughs> if you haven't been feeling like how great am I today um then you're not on your own tonight. Because um, my last few weeks have, have been highly stressful. And I'm just going to take on a bit of a journey. You know what I'm like. I have to share a bit about, about my journey and make it, it connectable and real for you. It's the only way I can talk. It, it's, it's to speak about stuff that God is, is doing in me and through me and, and with me. And um, and every three years or so, around this time of, of year, from January to probably now, um, with the job that I do, I have like a funding cycle, and so there's things that are in my calendar that are sort of immovable times, really, and this is one of those times where, when I have to seek God and look at, um, um, to, to, to actually bring in around about 700,000 um, pounds, which may not seem a lot to some of you, may be in big business, but to me, that's like monopoly money, that I've ne- I will never ever hold that amount of money in my life, it's just a number, but but you know, brilliantly and amazingly, God has been so faithful over the last 20 years with the organisation that I work for that, that you know, th- this, this stuff rolls in. And, um, and you would think, wouldn't you, that this happens every three years. You'd think I'd be used to it by now. And you'd think I'd be so sort of, oh, God, me and you are in this together and you've got this all sorted. And, um, but um, actually, that isn't how it affects me. That isn't how it affects me. And I've had a bit of learning over the last few weeks and over the last couple of months really about this whole thing about stress. And there are some facts about stress I want to put out there to you first, really, because I don't want to minimalise what anybody may be feeling tonight. Now, I'm not talking about um, if you have high anxiety or you've been diagnosed with something that means that, you know, you experience life really deeply and and, and in a really sensitive way. That isn't what I'm talking about. So so please don't think I'm belittling your situation in any way. This is about... um, The thing about we seem to be living in a world, don't we, where more and more people um, seem to be living their lives far more exhausted and and far more overwhelmed than rested and invigorated. I'd love to be rested and invigorated. Um, And society seems to be chronically tired to me. Whenever I meet anybody, tell you, oh, I'm tired. Oh, you know, uh, they could just have got up, just have gone to bed, could be any time in the day, and oh, I'm tired. And... um, And it seems like there's a never-ending barrage of challenges and complications and increasing responsibilities for people. And help me out tonight. What do you think survey says the most things that people are stressed about? Shout some out to me. Money. Yes, money. Number one is money. Work. Number two is work. Come on, there's four. There's another two. Sorry? Family. Yeah. Yeah. Health, they're the four. So they're going money, work, family, and health. They're the things that surveys say that we're the most stressed about. Um, But I also want to say tonight that not all stress is bad. Not all stress is bad. Um, You know, feeling a little bit stressed, a little bit pulled uh, from time to time in our life cycle is really, really normal and it does have some benefits. And in smaller doses, you know, it can actually help me meet my deadlines. It helps to keep me more focused, helps to keep me more efficient. It helps um, me focus, helps me boost your memory. Did you know that little bit of stress every now and then can help you with your memory? Um, It's also a God-given mechanism. It's a God-given mechanism that stirs your flight or fight response. So, you know, that stimulus that makes me want me to jump out of the way of a bus that's coming towards me. That's a bit of stress in there. But too much stress can wreak havoc on our physical health, and loads of medical people will tell you that. You know, weight gain, fatigue, hair loss, muscle pain. And when stress is really chronic, it can actually weaken your immune system and even cause heart disease. So before it gets too down, I'm going to, it's okay, we're going to build it up. And yet because of how normal our stress levels have become, we're less and less aware of the presence of it in our lives, you know, because it's normalised. And even when we are, we're only really vaguely aware of the physical, emotional, relational, and even spiritual price that we pay for it. So have you ever found yourself um, not becoming the kind of person that you long to become? Have you ever felt that? Ever thought like that? You know, that you're not enjoying life and relationships, and even ministry the way that you know you could, or the way that you know you have? or oh, is that just me? Is that just me? Because I can sometimes struggle to live out my beliefs and values, you know. Sometimes it's no fun doing what God has asked me to do. And it's not because I'm consciously trying to defy God. It's not because I'm rebelling or or deliberately saying no to what he wants me to do. It's just because I can feel so fatigued at times and pulled in so many different directions that I struggle to follow him. And the truth is, I don't even know I'm experiencing, experiencing that until I'm in way too deep and I'm not too sure how to get out of it. But I needed to be reminded of these last few weeks that that is not God's heart for my life and it is not God's heart for yours. Do you know that I'm being honest with you now, there have been literally times over the last couple of weeks when I've been literally sitting at my desk and yelling, literally yelling, yelling, um, through pressure or through stuff that I've been feeling and then whispering the Lord's my shepherd in the next verse, in the next, next second, in the next minute. And why did this keep happening? Because you could say, Jane, you know this is coming. You know it's in your calendar. You know the time of year it is. You know the cycle you're on. You know what's coming. You knew you would feel some stress. So why was I better prepared? And why, if I'm really honest with you, why did I keep alternating more in the yelling and less in the whispering? And then I felt God say this to me, Jane, find your center. Find your center. Take a look at yourself. Do you feel there's just not enough hours in the day sometimes to do the stuff you've got to do? Of course you do. There are too many things you need to do and not enough time. So what's my response? Is my response, is your response a bit like my response? Instead of listening to God and finding ways to slow down a bit, I spent all my effort and all my time figuring out how to go faster and do more in the same limited amount of time. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? And God said to me, look, Jane, all you're doing is torturing yourself. By feeling that important things aren't getting done and there can't be any margin for error. And what did that look like for me? Some of my team are here tonight. That's how it looks like for me. If one thing goes wrong, if the photocopy doesn't work properly, if there's one interruption, if there's one delay, then it's all blown. The whole thing's gone. I will never catch up. I will never get that time back. That's my stress sign. When that's happening, and often, do you know, it's my team that tell me that before I do. They go, oh, Jane, you know. Woo. And some yoghurt or something will come in on a train into my office or something to calm me down. Honestly, because they know my stress signs. And I wonder what might yours be. Do you have difficulty making decisions? Do you feel you've got information overload? Do you know what? We're the most informed people who've ever lived. But are we the wisest? When our minds are overloaded, You know, wisdom is often the furthest thing from it. Maybe things feel a little bit stagnant in your spiritual life. You know, are your prayers and your devotional life, do you feel hurried? Do you feel like you just need to get them done and out of the way? Are you lacking the energy, power and strength just to love, let alone give anything? You see, stress and pressure create people who are constantly rushed, always behind, Indecisive, superficially connected to God, and too fatigued to love. And if that's you tonight and you know you struggle in one of these areas, do you know what? There's another way to do life. Why did I keep finding myself whispering the Lord's my shepherd? Why did I find that was coming to my mind? And we're going to look at that tonight. The Lord's my shepherd, Psalm 23. It's going to come up on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I felt God say to me, have you really put my life, your life in my hands, Jane? If you ask any sheep, they will tell you, that life without a shepherd is a life of worry. Now I know that worry isn't a constructive, life-giving way to deal with my life, my present circumstances, or my future. And I also know sheep don't take care of themselves. They require attention and care. More than bear any other livestock. They need a shepherd, but they need a good one. They need a good one. One that is always thinking about them, one that is always guiding them, one that is always caring for them, one that is always watching out for them, one that is always looking ahead for things for their needs. And God had to remind me over these last few weeks that there is never a moment in any given day, Jane, that he's not loving me, where he's not present in my life as that good shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, we live in a world today that's completely built on producing people, in producing in people an insatiable desire. Some of the smartest people in the world, you know what they're doing for most of their working hours? I'll tell you what they're doing for most of their working hours. They're thinking of ways to convince me that I should be discontent and that that contentment is just one more purchase away. So I'm already being told all the time, use me, buy me eat me, wear me, try me, drive me, all the time. And God had to remind me that I should never rest my security or peace in anything that can be taken away from me. So hard to do, but such a liberating truth. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know what the alternative to lying down is? Frantic activity, constant busyness, overcommitted lifestyle, and stress. That is the alternative to lying down. And I found out you know, that sheep are really timid animals, and in the presence of stress or fear, they will never rest. And my sleep lately has been awful. You can ask us, it has been terrible. There you go. It's been broken. My sleep has been broken, hasn't been restful at all. What I needed to rest properly was the assurance of the presence of a shepherd. And you know what? I needed a date night with God. That's what I needed. I needed a date night with God. And you know what I did? I shared into my diary a time with a non existent person and I put their name in, and you know what? The chances of that person turning up were nil, nil. And if they did, it had to be God, didn't it? It had to be a God-ordained thing, because I made up a complete random name, I put it in my diary, so I knew if anything else came in, that time was taken, and when they didn't show up, I had some time with the shepherd. And that's okay to do, you know? My problem is I don't do that often enough. And if I don't do that, do you know what happens? David says, he makes me. He makes me. Not because he's angry with me, or he wants to punish me, but because he hears the groanings I'm making. Now the Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes our groanings, So when I go, oh, at my desk, God hears that. And not only hears it, he understands it and he responds to it. The Bible talks about deep calling out to deep. And when you can't utter a word and when you can't put a sentence together and you can just make a sound, God hears that. God hears that. But then even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. And and God, and David reminds me that I can trust God even in my dark valleys. And this is one of the harsher realities of life, isn't it? We're all going to walk through some pretty dark valleys. And one of the most common um, sources of stress is loss. And that isn't just bereavement loss. That's loss of job, loss of income, loss of health. And when we face losses, we can have two common reactions, grief and fear. Grief is good. Fear is bad. Why is grief good? Because grief is a God-given bridge to healing. Grief is a God-given bridge to healing. And not once does the Bible say, don't grieve, don't cry, don't get emotional about something, don't feel about something, but it does say fear not 365 times, as I'm sure most of you know. And why is it repeated so often? This is why I think it is. Because while grief can open a door for healing, fear will paralyze me. Fear will paralyze me. You see, I may fear, and I did fear, but I don't have to fear. Why? Because a shepherd is with me, carrying a staff to guide me, and a rod to comfort me. And you may be going through some shadows in your life at the moment. And you know that a shadow can't hurt you, don't you? But it can be scary. The shadow always appears bigger than its source. But you can't have a shadow without light. You can't have a shadow without light. So Jane, for goodness sake, fix your eyes on the light and not on the shadow. And then he leads me beside still waters. You know, sheep get pretty nervous when um, they're in the presence of noisy, fast-running water. Because if they fall in, their wool will get so saturated and so heavy that they'll drown. That they'll drown. And yet we don't live in a still, quiet world, do we? We are surrounded by noise. We are the noisiest culture in the world. But even when I have the chance to escape that noise, I don't. I don't. And I don't, not because I'm just enduring noise. I want to tell you that probably I'm kind of addicted to it. And, um, and it must be because as soon as I get home, I turn on the TV. Or I go into the kitchen and Alexa, play me this song. Or Alexa, can we play Pointless? Or, or, or whatever. And, uh, because I have to have noise. But here's my irony. Here's my irony. I watch TV because I'm tired and I want to chill out. Yeah? When has TV ever restored me? (laughs) When has TV ever restored me? Not took my mind off something, not taken my attention away, not made me forget something for a couple of hours, but restored me. Restored me. I need to learn to appreciate a bit of quiet again, I think. And it's uncomfortable. I won't lie. I don't like things being quiet. I like being on my own. I just don't like it being quiet. But turning down the volume of my life and slowing down enough to be still changes me. How? Because he restores my soul. That is where my stress is relieved. It's God who restores my soul. It's my responsibility to put myself in an environment where that can happen. That's all He's asking me to do. Do you know he also says in, in that psalm about um, and I hadn't thought about this, but I'm just going to say it now he's a bit better, he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. And um, I always used to wonder what that meant. I thought it was a weird kind of line, really. And, uh, and Russ and I went to a conference quite a number of years ago, and we heard a guy talk about this, and he said, it's almost like God sets up a table for you, in a re- like a restaurant table, and he, let- he invites you to sit there, and he's- God's the waiter. And he brings you food, and he says to you, would you like the soup, sir? while all this craziness is going on around you, I thought, what a beautiful picture that is. That in the midst of everything that might be against you, that might be pulling at your heels, that might be dragging you down, that might be debilitating you some way, God is preparing a table of your favorite food right there, and he's waiting on you. Would you like the steak, sir? How would you like that cooked? It's a beautiful picture of being in a crazy world and yet, God's still preparing a place for us in that with him. And of course, surely goodness, surely, of course it will. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So this is great to know, Jane, you might be saying, but how do I experience that? How do I get into that? And for me, the thing that started to bust through my stress was worship. Worship was worship, and instead of yelling at my desk, I started yelling in my car, and we're going to do it, uh, I'm going to sing a song later, that, that actually is my yelling song, my yelling song, and uh, have it up at number 11, those of you that watch those kind of films know that everything goes up to 11, and, uh, and I was yelling it, yelling it out in the car, because God said to me, find your center, and that center was Jesus, and I accessed that through worship, And no wonder I felt like I was spiritually suffocating, guys. No wonder it felt like somebody was standing on the hose and the water had stopped coming through because I'd let stress weigh down on my pipeline to God. How important is our worship to God? It is central. Every human being needs a center in their lives, don't they? Around which your life goes. So what does it mean to be centered? Centred. I think it means having a place, having a home, having a reference point to keep coming back to when life just gets crazy. When we're under stress, we can pull ourselves together in this center that we have in ourselves. We have a place to go and find ourselves again in God. And when I was just preparing this, Russ, I was chatting this to you, Russ, and Russ came up with, with one of these analogies that only he can come up with about skateboarding. Because as you can see, I'm obviously a born skateboarder. And, uh, but he was actually, he was pretty good. And he talked to me about actually, about your center of gravity. And that actually, the higher your center of gravity, the more unstable you are. So the lower you can get down to the board, the, the more stable it all is. And he's explained to me actually that he thinks this is what being centered is all about. If it stays in your head, then how you adapt and how you move in your world is going to be very, very unstable. If it sinks into the heart, into the core of you, into the depths of you, and your center is more, is more connected and more down, we're going to be able to handle stuff a lot, lot better. And I thought that was a great analogy. So how do we get centered? How do we get centered? How do you find that place to run to when you're stressed out? Well, in the Old Testament, um, in Numbers, God told the nation of Israel how to set up their camp uh, as they they traveled across the wilderness. And and God said to them, I want to take your 12 tribes and I want to put three tribes over here and three tribes over here and three tribes over here and three tribes over here. But in the center, in the center, you're going to put the... Um, the tabernacle, the ark of the covenant, the worship end, er, area, right in the centre of your camp. Every time you move, every time you move, and why did it matter what was in the centre of the camp? Because God was communicating a spiritual principle for all time in those verses through that physical lesson. And the spiritual principle was that no matter what the Israelite community was doing, no matter how many manner recipes they were swapping during the day. There's only so much you can do with manna. God wanted the Israelites to know that at the very center of their lives was worship. They went to the tabernacle to worship. All of their lives revolved around the centrality of worship. And the beauty of this principle today, tonight, is that because of Jesus, there is no particular place I need to worship. There's not even a particular day. There isn't even a particular form. There's not even a particular style. Do you know what? I believe there isn't such a thing that some styles are sacred and some, some styles are secular. I don't believe that. I think it can be all worship to God. And what we like is determined by our cultural background, isn't it? Certain tones, certain scales. If Sean got here and played some stuff, you'd think, oh, that sounds a bit Middle Eastern to me. If you played another series of notes, you might think, oh, that sounds a bit more Asian or or a bit more um, European. It's a preference. I have my preference. And some of you may prefer to sing some songs than other ones we sing here, and that's okay. Because worship music has been criticized through every age of the church. Do you know that? Did you know when Silent Night was first written, some called it void of all religious and Christian feeling? and worse than that Handel's Messiah when Handel's Messiah was written it was condemned by the church of the day as vulgar theatre and do you know what they said they said they didn't like how much repetition there was in it (laughs) and that is now built up as one of the most iconic pieces of spiritual God presence music that's ever been written ever in the history of our time vulgar theatre iconic music Hallelujah is repeated over a hundred times. And when I read that, I thought, have you ever criticized a song, Jane? And thought, how many times are we going to sing this one? <laughs> or oh, we sang that last week. Or Is he going to repeat that line again? Have you ever criticized a song like that? Why am I saying this? I'm saying this for two reasons tonight. Because we're going to do two things. First thing is we're going to truly worship. Now that isn't saying that we haven't done that already because we have. But we're going to truly worship despite your preference of whatever song comes up. Why? Because worship opens the doorway to God. Opens our ears to hear him. Opens our heart to love him. And opens our spirit to encounter him. And isn't that what we're here for tonight? To encounter Jesus. And I don't want to let my preference get in the way. Think of it like a family meal if you struggle with some of this stuff. Honestly, think of it like a family meal. And if you were going to get your nan over, you might choose um, to serve a meal that she likes. It may not be your favourite, but you don't leave the table not eating, do you? Because food does you good. Food does you good. So it may be what we choose to sing right now. May not be your preferred song, but you know what? It is the food that's going to do you good. So I'm going to invite the guys to come back. And then when we've worshipped, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for each other. Why? Because worship is two-way. It's also the way that God can often speak through us and gives himself to us. And every one of us in this room tonight is going to be prayed for and every one of you is going to pray. Okay? And we're going to pray the Bible over each other. We're going to pray the scripture. And so what we're going to do after we've worshipped is you are going to take... A verse out of the psalm 23 and i guarantee even if your life is going great there'll be a line in that psalm that speaks out to you and you are going to take that verse and somebody's going to say to you and what verse would you like me to pray about and say if they said um he restores my soul you don't need to tell anybody about your world you don't tell anybody about what's going on in your circumstances you don't need to tell anybody what you're feeling from that one line they're going to get an, 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 a, a view into your a window into your world and they're going to pray They're going to pray. And God's going to encounter you right where you are tonight. And so we're going to worship. And then we're going to take what we've learned from Psalm 23 and what I've learned about Psalm 23 over the last couple of months. And we're going to let it resonate with our life tonight. Worship makes the Bible come alive.